You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We're in a series called A Life Well Lived, and um, just uh, just going to let you know right away that I've decided to take a little different direction this morning, just coming back from Swaziland, and feel it's really important that I talk to you about uh, what is happening there. And so the good news is, for those of you who are in classes and small groups, and you're studying James Brian Smith, A Life Well Lived, you will still study chapter 11, and then next week we'll finish the series, and we'll be on schedule. So let me, let me just take some time to talk to you a little bit, okay? We, we began a partnership as a church with Swaziland eight years ago. And I don't know how many of you have gotten to go to Swaziland, but it's some of the most beautiful country that you've ever seen. And so I took my camera with me, uh, actually just on my phone, and I snapped some pictures, and Alan Brown has been helping me so that I could show you just some photos that I took myself. But the country is beautiful. I want to show you just a few pictures of the scenery we stay at a place in Stege called Mabuda Farms, and when you walk out of your back door when you're in Mabuda, uh, this is one of the pictures that you see. It's just um, mountains and rolling hills and some of the most, I don't know, beautiful landscapes you'll ever really lay your eyes on. We also got to uh, go to a wildlife reserve, and there you see things you don't see in the United States. Uh, we always refer to uh, the wildlife as... Um, as a zebra, but they're quick to tell you in Swaziland that they're actually zebra. And uh, so we see those kinds of things. We, we were driving along, and as you're driving along, sometimes you'll find yourself on a cattle crossing. And that's what we saw when we were driving down this highway, which means you've entered a wildlife reserve. It's a highway that's well-traveled. You take it to go many places. Uh, but as you're driving along, headed somewhere, you just look over to your right, and, and there's this guy standing there. We stopped the car. We got out. We took a picture. So that's the kind of things that you see when you're in Swaziland. As beautiful as it is, as a landscape, it's a land where there's a lot of poverty. If you, if you get a good job in Swaziland and you work hard every day, like as a farm farmer, on a, as a farmhand rather, um, and if you work hard all day long, you might earn up to $4 that day by working on a farm in Swaziland. 70% of the people still live on $2 a day. And we can't imagine how that's possible, but that's the existence of the people in Swaziland. While you're paid that little, it's still a country where gasoline is over $5 a gallon. And so when you're driving along, everywhere you look, there are many people walking. There's no way they could afford the car or the gasoline to put in the car. It's a very peaceful country, but like all societies, it's a, it's a society where there is brokenness. It's a society where there is pain, where there's suffering where there's struggles, and, and all of that seems to be maybe uh, magnified because of the great poverty there. And so how do, you, how do you go to a country that lives with brokenness? And, and what do you do to be a blessing? Jesus, Jesus says it this way. Jesus says... My solution for Swaziland is I'm going to build my church there. That, that's the answer. O- open your Bible to Matthew. I want to show you these words. Chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus is with his disciples and he enters into this conversation with them. And he asks them some very point-blank questions about who other people believe Jesus is. 
And then he asked him directly, but who do you think I am? And so here's the way the story unfolds when Jesus came, verse 13 of chapter 16 of Matthew, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, so who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Probably multiple disciples are responding at this time. Maybe another disciple pipes up and says, well, others say you're Elijah. And another disciple maybe says, well, others say that maybe Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus looks into the eyes of his closest followers, okay? And it becomes personal. And he says, but what about you? What about you? What about you? Who do you believe I am? And Simon Peter, who seemed to get it wrong more than he got it right, who seemed to make a mess more than he got things cleaned up, right? Who seemed to live life with one foot in his mouth many times. But at this point he nails it. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. I can imagine with his back straight and his chin up, he says, You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, was it? <laughs> but my Father, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then Jesus ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So this is God's word for us today. So about eight years ago, God put a vision, a dream, a desire, a calling in the heart of your pastor, Dr. David Busick, to begin a partnership with the small country of Swaziland. It's in southern Africa, surrounded on three sides by the country of South Africa and on the west side by Mozambique, almost over to the coast. In fact, um, I don't do this every time he's here because it would just get annoying, I think. But Dr. David Busick is here, and I don't know where he's heading, but would you stand up for a minute? Let me see if I can find you. And uh, he's way back there, so you just got to turn around. So everybody do, and he's going to wave real big, and you can see him. But aren't you grateful that God put this vision in Dr. Busick's heart? And so he's a, he's a strong leader, isn't he? And God has given him a lot of wisdom. And in his wisdom, he did two things that were, I think, strategic and critical for this partnership. One of the things that he did was he'd, he hired a full-time director for the partnership, and, and Dr. Barbie Moore, who has done a wonderful job leading us. And then Dr. Busick said, if we're going to be successful, I think we ought to have some people from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene in Swaziland all the time. And so every year we've had on-site coordinators 
pick up and for one year move over to Swaziland and serve us there. Many times, most of the time, they were members of our church. And so I just spent a week and a half in Swaziland with Barbie Moore and our on-site coordinators, Dell and Emlyn German. A couple in their 70s who are retired pastors who are doing an amazing job and they've won the hearts of the Swazi people. They love to spend time with the Swazis and the Swazis love them. And they're learning Saswati pretty well. I'm amazed at how well they're communicating with them. But they wanted me to say hi to you and I told them that I would. And so early on we said there's two initiatives that we've got to focus on. And one was the AIDS epidemic. People were dying by the hundreds and thousands in Swaziland because of AIDS. There's a couple of reasons why that is such a problem in that country. One of the reasons is that the king is a polygamist. And so polygamy is practiced. And so concurrent relationships is one of the fastest ways to transmit AIDS. And so the epidemic has been overwhelming. The second initiative we said we have to confront is the fact that the many orphan children in the country because so many parents are dying of AIDS. Now you have all these children, over 100,000 out of a country that only has a population of just over a million. One-tenth are orphan children. And so this small country that's only 120 miles long and about 80 miles wide, some begin to wonder, could they possibly one day become extinct? And so we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to partner with the church of the Nazarene in Swaziland. We're not coming in to take over or to do our thing. We're going to come in and come along beside them. We're going to lock arms with them. We're going to be their friends, their helper, their companions. We're going to become part of their lives and help them in any way they can to deal with these issues. And so God has used you powerfully. On the way home from the trip just a couple of days ago, yesterday, I learned an African proverb. And here's the African proverb. Are you ready? Are you leaning in? Are you anxious to hear this? Here's the African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If it's just about going fast, then go alone. But if you want to go far, then go together. And so what you decided eight years ago was we want to go far. And so you became partners with the Nazarenes in Swaziland. And you enlisted lots of other partners. The first one that began the process along with you was Southern Nazarene University. And many other entities joined in along the way. And so it was never just about what a church could do, but it was about what the church along with the Swazi brothers and sisters and all of these other partners could accomplish. And so I sat down with the leadership of the church in Swaziland this week, the four district superintendents. And I said to them, I think before we begin to talk about the future, we should talk some about the past, okay? So can we talk about what we did really well and some things we maybe didn't do so well? And then we can talk about the future. So let's start by talking about successes. And I'll be honest with you, as I'm thinking about successes, I am thinking about things like, um, okay, things that we built, like Churches that sat there for years without roofs on them because that was the most expensive part. They could not afford to put the roofs. I think about all the roofs that we put on churches or the Steggy English Church that we're now building and it's up ready for the roof and they're going to start that in a week or so. Or maybe the 50-so 
water wells that were dug to provide clean drinking water to thousands of people, or maybe the dental clinic that was built, or on and on. I could just think of project after project. And those are the things that I'm writing on my pad. But every district superintendent wanted to talk about what they thought successes were. And I let them go first. And none of them named any of those things. You know what they talked about? Carrie out Shangwei said, when I think about the success of this partnership, I think about the fact that you have come here where we are and how presence, your presence has been so valuable to us. And the deep relationships that we have formed with you. And then Philemon Glomini, he wanted to talk about success, and he talked about the same thing. And then Timothy wanted to talk about the same, and then Sipo wanted to talk about the same thing. See, I'm a Westerner. And when I think about progress, I think about buildings that are built, clinics that are built, water wells that are dug. But they're not Westerners. And when they think about progress, they think about deepening a relationship with God and deepening relationships with one another. So somehow, in all of God's goodness, in the story of what God is doing in a country far from here, He allowed this church to become part of that story. Isn't He good to us? So Jesus is with His disciples. And He's talking to them about who He is. And He says, so what are you hearing on the streets? What's the word on the streets about who I am? Who do people say that I am? And they begin to say, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, or other prophets. And then he made it a personal question. He looked into their eyes. But I want to know about you. Who do you believe in your heart that I am? And Simon Peter blurts it out, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. I'm giving you a new name. It's Peter, which in Greek means rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. See, when you and I think about the brokenness of humanity, and we think about fixing humanity, we're often tempted as Westerners to think about fixing humanity with a political approach. So it depends on which side you stand on it. But since I'm in Oklahoma, I think I've got a pretty good guess. So it's either we give everybody a gun or we take everybody's gun away. Or if it's about leadership, we say we've got to get the president out of the office or we've got to empower the president, whichever side you may land on. You say, Rick, why are you making it about politics? Because the concept of Messiah, for some people, have become nothing more than a political concept. When we get the right guy in office, then we are going to restore Israel as a nation to its political position that it should be restored to. And Jesus says, yeah, that's not how I'm thinking. Well, then Jesus, how are you going to fix the brokenness in society? Jesus says, I think I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build a church 
that even the gates of hell will not stand against. And so all along, in the mind of Jesus, the greatest attack force that he has brought up to this point is the church. We're not stepping back. We're stepping forward. If that's the case, I want you to help me with something. And tell me why does it seem like at times that as the church, we tend to retreat more often than we tend to attack. Because this is obviously not in the heart of Jesus. I think sometimes we just kind of get this feeling that the world is so broken and society is so evil and their needs are so great, they overwhelm us. And what I really want is I just want to be around my Christian brothers and sisters and I just want to wear my Christian t-shirt and I just want to be in the Word and I just want to listen to my Christian music and I just want a lot of safety and a lot of peace and a lot of hope and I just want to feel a lot of closeness with my brothers and sisters. I don't want to be attacking. I just want to be here, you know? But in the heart of Jesus, that was not the answer. No. I'm sending you out. You are the attack force. So, if that's what we are, then what weapons do we use? Do we use guns? Do we use swords? Do we come marching as great armies? Jesus never did. What were his weapons? Love. Compassion. And so several years ago, the church in Swaziland said, we can't just sit back. We're the church. We're supposed to go out in attack mode, right? And so with this epidemic of AIDS in our country, what are we going to do? And so they formed what they call the AIDS Task Force. And here's how it functions. They, they get people from Nazarene churches and communities who learn about people with AIDS in their community. Maybe not a part of their church or anything like that at all. Maybe they barely know the people. But what they do is they show up at their house and they say, we're from the Church of the Nazarene just over the hill here. And we heard about what's going on in your life. And we know that it's very hard. When a person first learns they have AIDS, they are very weak. But when they begin to take the antivirals that are now being provided free by a grant called PEPFAR and Bill Gates and others, really to the whole almost continent of Africa, when they begin to take those pills, they get really sick. But after about six months, and for some people maybe up to a year of taking those pills, they begin to gain their energy and they can get up and go again. But for those first six months, they're in trouble, trouble. They are laying on a mat most of that time. And so who shows up but the people from the Church of the Nazarene? And they bring food and they say, we know that it's hard right now because you're not able to work, so we have food for you and we'll be coming back next week and we'll talk to you about the medicines and it's really important that you go to the doctor and so we'll give you a ride to the doctor if you need a ride. And so I just brought a couple of pictures of on visits with the task force. I got to go along. And so the first picture is a lady who is laying on a mat outside of her home, which is very common. Her little home is built out of nothing more than mud and sticks, but we prayed for her. We gave her a whole bucket full of food. We gave her some money. We sung a little song with her. And after we prayed over her, we left. And she was so thankful. And everyone had the same response. God has sent angels from very far away. This is a home we visited. You can see it's built out of only mud. And you can see the structure of the roof. 
This man was very, very sick, laying in his bedroom at his home, and we went in and we took him food and we prayed for him. Listen to what I have to say, okay? There are two of the four districts that have the AIDS task force. And those two districts, over the last two years, have grown by 2,000 in attendance on Sunday morning. People are saying, what church are you from? Well, we're from the Nazarene church. Why don't you come and go to church? And in the deepest, darkest moment of their life, they find hope in Jesus. The other thing that we're focused heavily on is child development centers. And so I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of a child development center in Swaziland. It looks like this. It's a church building that already exists, and we invite children who are at risk to spend either the whole day with us and maybe in one child development center, it's after school. And so I just want to show you some pictures of some kids at our newest child development center. This little boy looks so sad, doesn't he? He is a very poor little boy, but he's not sad. He was laughing and playing and jumping all over me. When I put the camera in front of his face, he gives me this, what we call the Swazi smile. That's it. That's all he will give you. The little girl gave me the same thing in the next picture. There is some sadness here because you can see the other children have uniforms. She has no uniform, which means she cannot go to school. If you can't have a uniform and shoes, you can't go to school. And so she's not a student in school because she can't afford the uniform. And so we spent a lot of time with these little kids the other day. And they just crawl up on you and they get their arms around your neck and they will not turn you loose and they just hold on and you just eliminate all concerns and you just hug them and hold them and spend time with them. This mother that's in the next photo, she came to help us cook food that day and uh, we spent time uh, in the kitchen with her some and her little girl. I think it's the next picture probably. I want to show you a picture of a family. They pastor a church not far from this little community. That's Virginia. That's Sipo. Those are their two children. They became so burdened for this little community up in the mountain. And they said, we can't stand by and do nothing. And so they began to reach out in love. And they opened a little child development center. And your church has the opportunity of sponsoring that child development center. And they go there three days a week. Right now, it's 86 children and 45 teenagers. And they walk after school to this little building that the government owns that allows us to use it. No electricity, no running water. Don't get confused when I talk about buildings. Uh, It has openings up in the walls up higher where light can get in and air can get in, but nothing else. And they spend three afternoons a week tutoring them in their studies, talking to them about Jesus, singing songs with them. And then they feed them. And so the kitchen is not like your kitchen. It looks more like this little round building at the end of this long line of kids that you'll see in the next picture. And they're standing there in the rain waiting for a bowl that contains rice and pinto beans. And they just stood there patiently waiting for their bowl of rice and beans. We got to be a part of serving them rice and beans. It was pretty, pretty powerful. My friend Preston took this next picture, and I love it. I think it, I think it tells a story. It's a story about a little boy who lives in the rural part of a small country in southern Africa called Swaziland. And three days a week after school, because the Nazarenes showed up, he goes and he gets help with his school studies, and he gets lots of hugs, and they sing with him, and they talk to him about Jesus. And then they give him a bowl of food that is crucial to his well-being. You may say, Rick, who pays for the food? 
It's the people of Bethany First Church who sponsor child development centers. Let me tell you what happened to me on my plane ride back home. I'd written a sermon before I left, and I just said, I can't, I can't do that. So many of you give so faithfully, but you don't get to go. I get to go. And time and time again, people come up to me and want to thank me. And so, Chris, jump up here just real quick. And I can't tell you how many times somebody came up to me this week while I was in Swaziland, and they reach out their hand, and they want to say, you know, pastor. Now, that's not the way they shake hands in Swaziland. It's always another hand. And I ask them, so why do you do this? And they said, well, that's just to show respect. And so it's always two hands like that. When you give somebody something, you never hand them something with one hand, and they never accept it with one hand, but they accept it with two. And you give it with two. So you do it like that, and then they receive it with two, and it kind of goes like that. Thank you. That's all I needed, really. <laughs> I love Chris. And they come up to me and they stick their hand down and say, Pastor, thank you. Please tell the people at BFC thank you. Please tell them thank you for coming. Please tell them thank you for helping. And, and I just felt like that in all that you've done over all of these years and to be able to think about all the accomplishments that have taken place, I, I just thought I, I, I just can't show up there tomorrow and just preach a sermon I really got to say this to you, that you have given. And you may say, I didn't give much. You may say, I ran in the Swazi 5K for heaven's sakes. That's about all I've done. Let me tell you what, it makes a difference. And God takes the little that we give and He makes it really big. And you say, are you really making a difference? Do you remember the picture of the little boy a minute ago? You're making a difference in his life, I can tell you that. His world is changed because you give and because you go. So, let me take you back to Jesus' words. I'm going to build my church, and guess what? The gates of hell, even the gates of hell will not overcome it. So the church is on the attack. Our weapons are love and compassion, right? And Jesus said, even the gates of hell will not stand against it. I just want to sometimes say, relax. The church is not going to die. The church is going to march forward because Jesus is building His church. Let me think with you for a minute, okay? I was at M15, a conference for pastors in Kansas City just a few weeks ago, and I'm walking down a hall, and I run into my friend Stan, who is a district superintendent in Oregon. And he says, hey, Rick, I want you to meet somebody. And I walk over, and he introduces me to a guy. I think his name was Virgil. Stan is from Canada, so he has this awesome accent. And he says, one of the best pastors I've got. Guess how many people attended his church when he went there? I said, I don't know how many. And he says, 400. Guess how many attends this church now? No clue. 400. But guess how many churches he's planted? His church is planted. How many stand? Six. And guess how many people attend those six churches, those new churches? 800. And so that's a total of 1,200. But he said he didn't plant all six of them. Guess who planted the last one? I said, I don't know. <laughs> he said the first church he planted already planted a church. You hear Jesus' words? I'm going to build my church and it is going to spread like wildfire. You can't stop it. The gates of hell will not even overcome it. It is going to go, folks. 
I got to talk to him about Two Lakes, and I got to talk to him about Midtown. And I said, it's our heart's desire. We want in on the action. We want to be a part of what God is doing, right? And so I'm sitting having a conversation with Timothy Dolomini. He is a district superintendent there. I said, so Timothy, on the East District, where you're district superintendent, how many churches do you have? And he says, we have 38. But he said, Pastor... We have 31 preaching points now. So what's a preaching point? We ask somebody who attends our church to go to a community where there's not a church. And they just start preaching. (laughs) Sharing Jesus. Do the best you can. Somebody might get saved. And so, sometimes, Congregations rise up out of those preaching points and we start churches. And so on Sunday, a week ago, while you were here worshiping, I was in Swaziland. I went to a church called Soweto. So let me show you a picture of the pastor. And a little lady standing beside him is precious. So she was asked by her church to go to Soweto to start a preaching point. Well, she has no resources, okay? So what she does in the next picture, she has four poles and ten, and she's able to basically make shade. And that's the church that she started. The pastor, whose name is Tondo, said to me, so my church asked me if I would come now and be the pastor because she started gathering people together. And so this is the church that they've built. This little church only seats about, maybe in our, in our estimation, it would be about 30. They put about 90 to 110 in there on Sunday morning, Okay. And that is a tin roof, and let me tell you, that is one hot box. And now they just have children everywhere. Children are everywhere. And he says, we're only a year and a half old, but we have about 120 people coming every Sunday. I'm going to build my church, and it is going to spread like wildfire, and not even the gates of hell will overcome it. And so we got to worship there. And my friend Preston made a video of that Sunday. And I thought you might appreciate seeing it. So why don't you just take a look this morning and see what it's like to go to church on a Sunday in Swaziland, in Soweto. We're in the Soweto Church of the Nazarene in Swaziland. This is a new church. It's only a year and a half old. The pastor is Reverend Tondo. The ladies in the orange over here to the right are the Missionary Society ladies. They wear orange jackets and white caps. They actually feed the children here on Sundays. A lot of them won't have a chance to eat anything if they don't eat uh, on Sunday morning. They love to have their their pictures taken. Uh, You can say they're hams, but they're so cute. Uh, These children may come from good families. They may come as orphans. Uh, They come from all over Sawato. My name is Awati Damini. I am in grade two. My school is in Nazarene Primary School. My church is Soweto Nazarene, Church of the Nazarene. 
Our vision, we want to improve the church infrastructure. This structure now is too small for us. It is our vision that we build a 500-seater sanctuary. That is our vision. We would love to pass our sincere gratitude to our brothers and sisters in USA, especially in BFC and all other partners who are working with BFC. We have... We got a donation of fencing, and today we got a donation of about $2,000, which will help us to buy a, a, a PA system, a public address system for the church, and we thank God for that. You decided as a church a long time ago that you would not buy the myth of scarcity, but you would believe the liturgy of generosity, that God will provide, and there is plenty to share, and we can share with others, and we can come along beside others. I, I went to the dental clinic that this church provided, the Gerald Gassick Dental Clinic, and and I stood there and I looked at about 30 to 35 people all seated waiting to see a dentist that day. And I realized that, that, that we give and that God just makes so much of it. I made a new friend named Mishangu. He is the field strategy coordinator for that part of the world. And he met with us this week and he said, you know the story of God is so interwoven with the story of brotherhood and sisterhood that you cannot tell one story without telling the other. Did you hear me? The story of God is so interwoven with the story of brotherhood and sisterhood that you cannot tell one story without telling the other. The story of God is the story of brothers and sisters coming together to partner with each other. And when I think about what God has done in this country of Swaziland and think that this church gets to be part of the story of God there, I'm overwhelmed. And I just feel this sense this morning of such gratitude to you and such thankfulness for God for what He has done with the little that we have given and the blessings that He has brought on these people. I had to tell you this morning. I want you to stand with me, will you? I think it'd be great today if we could, we could end our time by praying. And there may be some of you who, who would be willing and, and feel even led to come down this morning and pray for our brothers and our sisters in Swaziland. I think that would be awesome if you would do that. And, and of course, you know that the, the altars are open. We've had such grief in our church over these last two weeks. I could not believe when I got home the number of deaths that we have had. And just this morning at 3 o'clock, a very dear man to this church, Dr. Dudley Powers, passed away. He's been very sick for many years. And to think that 
He has lived his life with one goal in mind, and this morning that became reality is pretty overwhelming to me. He's at home with the Lord. And so maybe there's families that you want to pray for. Maybe you say, I I like hearing about Swaziland, Rick, but honestly, I'm going through some stuff in my own life today, and it's a little bit hard to focus. I understand that. Sometimes we carry some pretty heavy burdens, and you can come this morning and just lay your burden on the altar. Jesus will hear you. He'll work powerfully in your life. You maybe want wanting to be prayed for for physical healing. There'll be pastors here, and they'd be glad to anoint you with oil this morning if you would like to be prayed for. You may have been hanging around here for a while, and you may be thinking a lot about becoming a follower of Jesus. You hear me talk a lot about transformation. God can change your heart. He talks to Nicodemus about being born anew, being born again. You may be saying, Rick, if there's anything in the world I need, it's transformation. And so I don't want to be blind and talk about taking the gospel halfway around the world and forgetting to offer the gospel to you here this morning. The good news that Jesus can change your heart. And so if you want that in your life today, I want you to feel free to come and kneel here. A pastor will be glad to come and pray with you. Just motion for them and they will lead you in prayer this morning. You may have been walking with God for a while and you may say, holiness is what I'm longing for. I want to be like Jesus. I want Christ's likeness in my heart. God has still more work to do in me. Please come. Some of you are praying for your kids. and Some of you come many Sundays to pray for your kids. It's okay. So we'll pray before we go this morning. Thanks, Johnny, for leading us, okay? Feel free to come. There's no one
I don't think there's any way that I could be more thankful for you than I am this morning. Um, I thank God for you. And so my prayer for you as you go from this place today is that the peace of Christ will rule your hearts. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.